Hello and welcome to the Cinephile New Wave. I'm Nick. And I'm Duran. And today we, today we are joined by Rhett, our uh, very special guest. Rhett, you already butted in, but if you would like to introduce yourself, please uh, feel free. Uh, well, I'm Rhett. I, uh, I've been on this show before. I'm happy to be back again. Uh, I write movie reviews for the Emory Wheel student newspaper, um, and I have a Twitch channel, uh, Ribbon Piece, or whatever the Twitch link is. So, uh, yeah, but mostly I'm just Rhett. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so today we are going to be uh, covering a little bit of news, but uh, the main main attraction is that the three of us have now seen Tenet. We're going to be talking about that. And there's there's some things to say about Tenet. But, um, Tenants, in parentheses, 2020. 2020. Directed by Christopher Nolan. Dire yeah. <laughs> All that. Um, but before that, uh, we thought we should talk about, you know, the news that we've kind of missed. We've, uh, we've been away for a bit. Yeah. So let's start with the news. Yeah. Um, um so the main thing on the news is, um, the actor Chadwick Boseman recently passed away of cancer. Um, he apparently was fighting cancer for a while. Um, but four years, I believe. Four years. Although, um, no one except for his immediate family, uh, new to the, how, how bad was it? Uh, like the extent of it? Yeah. Um, so would y'all like to start on that? Yeah. Um, so as, uh, as most people know, Chadwick Boseman is, uh, the Black Panther. So, um, he, uh, that's, that's probably his, uh, biggest, biggest role that people will know him from at this point. And then, he was also in Marshall in 42 and uh, Get On Up, which was uh, Jack, Jackie. James Brown? James Brown, yeah. James yeah. Brown, sorry. Um, James Brown biopic. And uh, yeah, so he's he's played like a lot of icons for, you know, not being in the business for too crazy long, I think. Hmm. Um, uh, he was also recently in uh, Defy Bloods. True, true. Yeah, an interesting final role for sure. Yeah. He played a um, kind of like a radical black um, revolutionary, but um, stuck in the Vietnam War. And he's kind of this um, mythical figure to the rest of the characters in the film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he was scheduled to play. Obviously, we'll probably not be doing that depending on, I don't know how much they filmed, but he was supposed to play like a historical black samurai an actual true story i think about a, a slave who was brought to japan and became a samurai named yasuke i had never heard this before that sounds, that sick. sounds pretty cool <laughs> um hopefully they got a lot of that done because that sounds sick um but yeah uh chadwick boseman very very suddenly passed away um so much so that um uh, Marvel Studios doesn't really know what they're going to do about Black Panther and that whole situation. Apparently, they were informed only hours before it happened. So, uh, yeah, that's just an interesting little tidbit to note that uh, in case you're wondering where Black Panther 2 is going, uh, they did not expect Chadwick to leave. So, yeah. yeah. It's a it's especially disappointing since um, I mean he was he was very young he's only in his forties I believe and um, he'd only been in 
uh, like a, a few kind of like big films. Um, yeah, but even then, he just you know he just meant so much to so many people for the short amount of time that he was here. Yeah, I mean, I only saw him in like the Marvel movies and the Five Bloods, but I really, I really thought his character was interesting and in the Five Bloods, and it's kind of a shame that um, we won't be able to see more from him in the future. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he had a lot of promise given sort of his interests outside of Marvel, but then he was also just a very sort of charismatic figure in the Marvel universe, and especially in sort of defining the character. Like, I remember there was, like, an interview with some of the the members of the Black Panther cast, and uh, when they were asked about, like, how they were doing the accents for Black Panther, they were just like, we were just doing what Chadwick was doing. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah he uh i get he was very instrumental in creating that character i think uh ryan coogler said so in his um his uh what is what is that called like an elegy for someone when mm -hmm. you like write a little uh thing about them yeah yeah um the obituary obituary kind of it's it was more of just uh how he felt about his death so i don't know anyway whatever the word is he wrote one about Chadwick and you know what he meant to uh to him and how you know all this really just turned on its head so fast and it was absolutely crazy yeah um and I think it's uh not not to uh disrespect him or anything but um from, from a business standpoint I think it's interesting to see how um uh Marvel and Disney is going to handle his death in terms of their cinematic universe since um, that, that whole universe is kind of built on continuity. And so having something as like, uh, you know, unexpected as like an actor death come into that is like, as a, as at first for them. Um, I mean, they've definitely had to like recast people before, but not so much in very major roles, except for maybe like Hulk. That's yeah. like the only one that I can really think of. And there's like some minor roles here and there. Yeah. Well, War Machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but but like a, a like a really popular superhero like him. I mean, Black Panther is like what one of the highest grossing films in America like ever and around the world too. Um, yeah. And one that had uh, like a, a pretty like significant cultural impact on release. Um, it's going to be very difficult if they're going to try to recast him. So I, I really have no idea what they're going to be doing there. Yeah. Maybe maybe they go back and. Re-release uh, Endgame again, but for some reason he doesn't get unsnapped. Jesus! <laughs> oh, Jesus, Red. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, you know, uh, my uh, my uh, thoughts are with his family even now, even though it's been like a week since it happened. It, um, still that's, just that's what it I still sucks. Yeah, that's what I thought was really kind of sweet about it is that, like, he managed to, like, keep it personal and, like, his family. I mean, like, I even, like, when I even saw it in some of the reports that it's, like, he had a family, I didn't even know he was married and had kids. And it's, like, I, I thought that was cool that he was able to keep his, like, personal life just but, very personal. Yeah, well, I think, we, I think we did learn that post uh, posthumously uh, that he had a wife, so. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. He, was, he was that, like private about everything yeah and that's that's really you know difficult to do and like this day and age yeah um so a lot, a lot of respect there but i think i remember we watched that that thing that they did on tv uh where it was like kind of like an elegy for him 
yeah uh, that video um and i think i forget who said it but someone said um chadwick knew that he was dying for a while but um what a way to go he kind of you know became like one of the most popular superheroes ever um and like such like a important um film for for like american and world cinema and so. he was yeah and he was he was so ready to keep going he um i know it was kind of said he didn't tell anyone at Marvel because he really thought he was going to get better before yeah before Black Panther 2. Yeah, but I mean even even though he died early, I mean he left like a legacy that like a lot of actors can only dream of, you know. Absolutely. Um, shall we move on? I guess so. Yeah. All Love right. you Chadwick. Um so the next thing uh you guys watched DC Fandom, right? Uh, I did. I watched the <laughs> the full stream. Okay. Um, and like, Brett, what... how much of it did you watch? I just watched the the trailers and like the big bits. I didn't see like any of the panels or anything. Gotcha. Yeah, you didn't miss much. So basically, DC Fandom is this um, this thing that DC put on that was online. Can you explain it more totally what it is? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it was basically a twenty four hour live stream of. Um, just like panels and panels of you know announcing what's happening in DC, both comics and uh, you know live action film and TV production wise, which um, afforded them a lot of opportunity to talk about you know Wonder Woman 1984, uh, you know Shazam 2. Uh, but I think the big two to come out of this were um, besides the Snyder Cut <laughs> was um, the Batman and the Suicide Squad, which is um, yeah. yeah. So let's start with the uh, the Batman trailer. Yeah. Uh, what did uh, Red? You can start. What did you think about that? Uh, I I liked the general tone of it and the the action direction that they go in. I generally had like no problems with the trailer or anything. I was just like, hmm, this Batman suit looks a little funky. And uh, uh, I had one other thing that I was like, I wasn't sure about. Um, but generally, I'm like, okay, Robert Pattinson looks fine looks like this is going to be an interesting movie yeah i um i really like the look of it so far um i i know that like we've already kind of done uh gritty realistic batman but um the rumors surrounding this say it might be r-rated which means it might be a little more violent more kind of akin to the daredevil tv series which might be cool because um, that was also that like same level of no kill violence where you could smash a crook's head in. But um, anyway, I, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, all things considered, I don't like talking too much about trailers since I mean they're they're usually not very accurate to what the actual film is about, especially this one, which was made with only I think about twenty to thirty percent of the film actually being shot. Um, but honestly, like. While aesthetically, I think everything like looked nice, there wasn't so much like bad with it. The issue I have with this film is the same issue I had with um, the film when I first announced when I when I first heard the announcement, and it just seems like there isn't anything interesting that they're adding to the Batman character um, in this film. It, it really just seems like another retread of what Nolan did successfully in The Dark Knight, and maybe not so successfully in the other two. Uh, Dark Knight series films um, and like honestly I think that 
for me, Batman has gone to a point where we've already had a decent cinematic representation. Unless you're doing something new or interesting with a character, I don't really see the point in copying Nolan again. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like what worked for them. And if it's like it worked, you know, um, like I, I don't think Batman needs to be anything groundbreaking I, I think it ought to be you know good and you know i'd like to see good representations of the characters but at the end of the day you know warner bros is just gonna keep making batman movies because people like seeing batman so if it's if it's not bad you know it's fine yeah no i'm certainly aware of like the money aspect of it i'm just saying that i don't really have any interest in the film because of that that's fair yeah i um the only thing i'd say is that like I honestly maybe wish that this was part of a greater universe because I think that would have added a few more interesting elements. I know they tried that with Batman versus Superman, but like put a competent director behind the camera and like maybe uh, maybe that would what? be good. Yes, only guess uh, Zack Snyder, Nick. You wanna you wanna shit talk Zack Snyder? I, on my podcast, yeah, I huh? do. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, but I, you know, adding an element like. Superman, I think, might be a good idea for, like, a Batman story, because, like you kind of said, you're not really adding anything new by doing a gritty, realistic Batman. I'm yeah. still excited, yeah. but... Like, if this was if this was part of a greater universe, um, then it might be forgivable. Uh, but, I don't know. I think, just as it stands right now, me personally, I'm not really interested. And this is coming from, like, a huge Batman fan. Mm. Yeah. You just, yeah, I get you. Um, should we move on to the Suicide Squad trailer? Is sure. Anything else that you guys want to? Yeah. Um, Red, would you like to introduce that? Uh, well, so there was kind of like a mix of Suicide Squad stuff that wasn't really a trailer per se. It was more like them talking about the movie. We got some on-set footage. Um, yeah, and so then it was like sort of a big lineup of uh, super villains and you know notable actors i'd say um and just sort of people talking about what james gunn is doing with the movie and it it sounds certainly more interesting than what the last suicide squad was yeah um so yeah yeah so um Duran, did you watch any of that or no <laughs> <laughs> um so from what it sounds like, they're definitely taking a different approach, and it's an approach that I appreciate, um, where it's, he described it as a 70s war film, and yeah, uh, but he also kind of talked about how, well, like a schlocky 70s war film, not okay. like a serious one. Apocalypse Now with fucking Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Apocalypse Now, but replace the... Uh... Fucking Marlon Brando with John Cena. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, I I love what they're doing with it. They're, like, completely leaning into comics uh, with all the costumes and stuff. Rick Flagg's only wearing a shirt now with, like, no body armor. Um, and they're, they're choosing the most, like, wacky, obscure characters they can. Like, Sean Gunn just plays Weasel, who's just a big weasel. And I don't think I would want it any other way. What, what do you What do you think of the cast? 
I I think it's interesting that they got so many like big actors to play people who's probably who's like dicks are probably just gonna get blown up or something. Yeah. Like uh Pete Davidson skinny joint personified, you know, is in the movie. Uh so some people are, are gonna see see it for that. I thought having John Cena in it was kind of cool. Idris Elba, I mean like Idris Elba's I, Idris I'm Elba. definitely gonna see this movie. Hmm? Idris Elba's just Idris Elba. I'll I'll watch him no matter what. Yeah. The Wire. The Wire is a good wire. show. Yeah. And hopefully, when Joe finishes it, sometime in this century, we can do a podcast episode on it. I'm just saying, Idris Elba's in the Wire. Idris Elba is in the we Wire. Got, we got Idris Elba in the Suicide Squad. We got Idris Elba in the Wire. We got Hobbit Idris Elba. Elba's everywhere, dude. He was he. No, he took the Marvel Elba, pie, and now he's taking the DC. He's in um, the Dark Tower, which is my favorite film. Oh yeah, dude. If only Idris Elba had been in Breaking Bad, but we had Giancarlo Esposito there, so I don't really have anything to complain about. The if only Idris Elba had been James Bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really, he really should have. Um. Yeah. Anything for the news, or should we move on to tenants? Um, no, I think we're, uh, I think we're good to move on to Tenet. All right. Um, I'm gonna, uh, yeah. I'm gonna attempt, I'm gonna attempt, <laughs> attempt a plot synopsis a, for us, A, a short, spoiler-free plot synopsis. So the first section of this Tenet discussion will be spoiler-free. I don't anticipate it's gonna be very long, because it's kind of hard to talk about this film without spoiling it, even though none of it actually makes sense or matters. Um, that's objective, what I just said. Um... <laughs> So <laughs> this is uh, we'll we'll give a spoiler warning once um, we're we're into the discussion a little bit more. And then I guess also you should just leave. I guess if you really don't want to know the basic plot, but the basic plot doesn't matter or really make any sense. So uh... <laughs> I feel I feel like if you've seen the trailer, you get most of like what we could spoil in a spoiler-free yeah. plot. Scenario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Tenet, it's a directed by Christopher Nolan. Came out this year. It's a spy film about this guy played by John David Washington, who's called the protagonist. And he like, things can happen in time. <laughs> things can go backwards. Good, buddy. Keep going. Things can go backwards. Like you can, you can like unshoot a bullet or shoot like an inverted bullet or like drive your car backwards. Cause like, you're you're like you're like in the present time, but someone else is in the past at the same time as you are. Um, anyway, it, it's kind of like a it's a cool thing for interesting set pieces, but we'll get to that later. Um, and basically, he needs to manipulate the flow of time so that he stops this bad guy from like launching nukes and blowing up the world. It's pretty good plot synopsis. Thank you. There's there's yeah. other convoluted uh, shit that happens along the way, but yeah. Rhett, yeah. um, you're the guest. Would you like to do a spoiler-free opinion on the film? Uh, I just consider Nolan a, a blockbuster filmmaker who just makes, air quotes, smarter blockbusters than the average blockbuster. Um, I don't really consider him like an artsy filmmaker or anything, which I feel like is where a lot of the discussion about Christopher Nolan sort of gets heated. Um so generally, I, I just went into this movie with, like, very few expectations, positive or negative, and I just had a good time. If I could describe it in one word, I'd say it was cool. 
and I I just had fun. All right. Um, I had a little bit different of an experience. <laughs> um, I so above all, I think the movie hurts itself in how much writing there is. Like, there's just so much for so little substance, I think, is my main problem with the film. Um, I feel like, yeah, it ramps up in the last hour, but, and we'll talk about that later, but, like, the, the hour and a half you have to go through to get there is just not really worth it uh, for me. But, I mean... Yeah, some of some of the like time manipulation stuff is cool. Some of the you know uh, set pieces are kind of cool. Uh, could be better, uh, but you know I just felt like it was it was too little for too little. Like uh, it just the the amount of time you invest in the movie doesn't really you don't get the returns. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with mostly what what you said. Um, Nick and I actually saw that. Uh, a drive-in. It was our my first movie since like March, so maybe we'll talk about the the whole um, coronavirus and in, in, uh, in relation to this later. So I think it's pretty interesting. But um, my opinion about the film is um, I I kind of hate it. If I'm being honest, um, I've always criticized Christopher Nolan for his writing. Um, I don't think he knows how to write like anything but this film is certainly his worst written um there's cliches everywhere the dialogue is almost unlistenable and not because of like the weird sound missing mixing problems i'm sure i, I know a lot of people had but it's it's so generic and everyone's motivation is so generic and it's extremely like uninteresting the thing is though I am willing to forget one and a half hours, or sorry, forgive, one and a half hours or two hours of, like, boring talking that is not only convoluted, but uninteresting and kind of stupid. If the set pieces are worth it. Because like you said, Red, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't really consider, like, Nolan to be, um, like, an art house filmmaker, like, whatever really that means. But um, I, I enjoy his films for the set pieces and for the action and um, and for the, and honestly, like a lot of his earlier films, like for the stories. But um, with this really interesting concept, um, the time manipulation, which I think could have been used like really, really well in an action movie, it just not, did not pay off. None of the set pieces were particularly interesting to me. I mean, um, there's one before the climax, but a little bit before that, that was pretty cool, but. The set piece in the climax was really generic looking. Um, Looked like a PUBG map. Yeah, like all of the set pieces um, in the first like hour and a half to two hours were completely like uninteresting. Like, um, and just like generic things that we've seen like in action movies before and also in Christopher Nolan movies before. Um, mm. And I think the worst part about this movie is that um, it had the potential to have some really interesting fights and like this weird time stuff but i don't think it ever capitalized on that potential um and i was kind of i kind of like uh left the movie feeling angry that i've wasted two and a half hours on what amounted to like 
something that wasn't even like entertaining to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we want to draw the line right there? Yes. So if you want to see Tenant, don't see Tenant. It sucks. But <laughs> if you want to see Tenant, uh, don't listen to the rest because we're going to be diving into the spoilers. Yeah. All right. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. You are warned. No, uh, no going back past this point. All right. Um, let's talk about how fucking boring the ending is. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, like, it, they almost had something here. Like, they were so close to, like, having something cool, but, like, the whole time manipulation thing is completely underutilized, I feel like. Um, yeah, I would agree there. So, if you're if you're listening in any way and you want to know what happens, uh, regardless, basically, we lead up to this point where they're trying to, like, get a nuclear warhead and they're trying to disarm it, and, um... It's, it's happening on this battlefield. I honestly don't know completely what was going on at that point <laughs> in the movie. Um, but the gist is that they're trying to retrie retrieve a nuclear warhead before it goes off. Um, part of that is they send a bunch of soldiers into like this just generic-looking like place in I don't even know where. And I, think, I think you told me like during... When we were watching, it looks like a PUBG map. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a PUBG map. It it looks like this little section where you're supposed to find loot and like mm -hmm. at the beginning of a PUBG yeah. game. So basically it's just like this giant sand area with like these abandoned like gray buildings. It's like it's it's the most like generic industrial thing you could possibly Yeah, it's of. just the most nothing looking thing I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Kinda looks like a like an airsoft arena almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this is where it kind of like suffers from, you know, for for better or for worse, Christopher Nolan seems to have this preoccupation with like he really respects the craft or whatever air quotes there. Um, and it's like he wants to they say like, oh, he wants to have as much on screen as possible and use no green screens and whatever. It's like, well, in some ways, if you're going to do shit like this, you kind of need that. Because I feel like he was like, oh, I want to blow up a building. And he's like, well, I don't want to have to pay to like blow up an actual building that matters. Let's find this PUBG building in the middle of nowhere <laughs> that I can blow up. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair enough, for sure. But I feel like um, like in his in the set pieces for his other films, I mean, I'm thinking of like the the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises, the... Um, the plane, the plane, the plane scene, which is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but even like, I mean, that, look, that looks great. Um, don't, don't remind me of that. Scene. The, the part where like Joker blows up the hospital in Dark Knight, uh, in the Dark Knight. Um, yeah, there, there's like countless self set pieces I can think of that were mostly practical, but still looked really amazing. And even the, those that weren't practical, like in um, Inception, uh, where they're in Paris and like the streets kind of like fold in onto themselves. I thought that mm -hmm. that looked really cool, but honestly nothing in this film looked anywhere near as interesting as his other stuff, even, like, um, the, his most, like, grounded stuff. I mean, um, honestly, the only part of the movie which even came close to meeting the potential of the concept, in my opinion, is the part where he goes backwards in, like, the highway sequence. Yeah, I really liked the reverse car chase. I was just like, okay, we're doing this now. It was yeah. cool. I I also like thought the movie was turning around at that point, and then it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it... yeah, maybe the momentum got me a little bit there. I also liked the the 
uh, the the art heist scene where they fucking crash a plane. That's kind of cool. I just thought there was gonna be more like destruction with the plane. Yeah, like, it was it so, just it was so crashes and it's like, like this, that's it. You like, just have like nothing... this slow ass plane like yeah. kind of gently glide into like a hangar. Yeah. Like that's it. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Airplane pulled that in seventy four or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Christopher Nolan pulled out cooler airplane stuff before. Like, I I, I don't know, man. I mean, I was I. I was I was I was prepared to again forgive the entire movie for I don't even know what the fuck happened in the first half. <laughs> like I'll be honest, like I read the plot synopsis and I think I understand it, but I don't care. Yeah, because yeah. like none of it matters. You know, it's 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 one of those things where it's like a bro, you gotta you gotta watch the movie three times to understand it. But it's not in an interesting way. There's certain yeah. movies like Prestige that Christopher Nolan does where. I would argue you probably need to watch it more than once. Um, like Memento, even. Like yeah, Memento is one of those too. movies that, like, you will definitely get something out of it once you, you know, yeah. know what's happening. But this, it's just like, it's just a, it's quantum solace with, like, a kind of, kind of interesting, like, gimmick going with mm-hmm. it. And it's kind of like a video game plotty almost, in terms of, like, we gotta, we gotta find the guy. So we've gotta first, like, find an arms dealer and then we gotta like talk to the arms dealer's wife and then we gotta talk to the guy's wife and we gotta find this fucking drawing and we gotta do this and blah 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 and it's like there's all these stupid like fucking um uh, MacGuffins all like everywhere um and then like god don't even get me started on how Christopher Nolan writes female characters oh my god oh yeah (laughs) oh my god the arms dealer's wife was I think the the absolute weakest part of this movie for me yeah um <laughs> she's in so much of it like uh i think like uh the protagonist john david washington's whole like motivation is oh like there's this hot blonde girl that i need to save and then the hot blonde girl's motivation is like oh i have like a child i need to save it's like it's it's so fucking like i wasn't even quite sure what she was like i don't know if she was just a part of the manipulation or if she was an actual love interest i literally didn't know like what that I think, relationship okay, was supposed so to be i don't i think i think that that she took up like the generic slot of the love interest but yeah. without any kind of build-up to it whatsoever yeah it's like yeah. it's it's like it's like it's like going through the motions almost yeah like oh speaking speaking of no build-up robert pattinson's intro oh <laughs> He's just sitting in a chair next to him suddenly. Yeah, that was so funny. Oh I thought, my god. I, I thought we I, like, missed a scene or something. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed some of that. Like, it's just like, okay, we're here now just for the sake of, like, alright, this this feels different. I, I won't call it great or anything. I was just like, alright, I, I enjoyed that. Um, and I kind of like, okay, it's just Robert Pattinson's here now. <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, all right. Yeah. Well, like, they introduce new characters so willy-nilly. Like, yeah, and uh, just drop them, like, immediately. Yeah, the, like the, the guy from yesterday is, like, one of the other operatives. I think his mm-hmm. name's Dev Patel. Um, but he just kind of, like, drops in. They're just like, hey, we need something. And then suddenly the guy's there. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, Aaron the, Taylor Johnson shows up. Like, Sir Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Michael Caine's in there for, like... A minute and a half for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good. I mean, so I I think I was really like thinking this whole time of the movie, like it was just like his take on a Bond movie, 
And, uh, you know, not, not all Bond movies are equal. This is certainly nowhere near Skyfall, but some of the more generic Bond movies where it's just like, okay, Bond is kind of, he has to meet up with random intelligence person here. He gets told where to go, and then he goes to random place. And then after that place, he, he learns he needs to go to other random place. And I'm like, if you're just kind of following that formula, I guess this is sort of interesting just for like getting a different take on that formula but it, it can certainly be i can it, it can definitely be sort of um what's the word i'm looking for um yeah just kind of convoluted like you guys said for convolution's sake yeah and uh i agree that it's definitely like the the kind of like spy formula but at least in like those even like the band the bad bond movies right i mean like some of the writing is cheesy but kind of like in a fun way yeah, and, like and, in an endearing way. Yeah, and like in this film, the writing, I told Nick, it feels like every single line is like an 80s one-liner, but you're supposed to fucking take it seriously. It's it's either <laughs> a one-liner or just gobbledygook. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, oh, either, it's either one-liners or just like nothing information being given. His, the fucking, the whole thing about the uh, the bad guy's, Kenneth Branagh's uh, motivations, if, uh, if he can't have it, then, then no one can. And like that, yeah, that, was, oh what, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like that's, and that's the most generic shit ever. Like, uh, when, when it was revealed that he had like cancer, this man started laughing <laughs> so hard. <laughs> he wants to blow up the world because he has cancer and he's going to die. That shit was, <laughs> oh my God, that shit was so I, funny. <laughs> I was like interested in sort of, I guess just, um, the character or the actor playing him i forget his name i feel bad kind of kind of yeah. yeah i was like I, I didn't his motivations were terrible i agree it made no sense it was just the dumbest it, i think it was almost as dumb as the the whole love transcends dimensions thing from <laughs> yeah probably um but I didn't, like, I didn't think that nolan would get even worse than that <laughs> yeah but i i thought like i was sort of interested in that like early on like Kenneth Branagh was just like I don't give a fuck like I'll be despicable I'm gonna beat my wife you know I'm a fucking like it was terrible but it's like you don't see that a lot often in like spy movies where it's like you have kind of like the the abusive husband in that he just kind of keeps his wife in a cage or the I'm gonna just throw her to the sharks or shoot her or something not that oh yeah this is actually like a terrible abusive husband that has no sort of love for this woman whatever that i thought was like some iota of interesting but then it's like oh he has cancer and he wants to you know end the world so no one else can live and i'm like okay yeah okay, they, buddy. they throw the cancer curveball at you so late in the game too like it's <laughs> the last like 20 minutes of the movie it's revealed uh yeah it, like that's not a motivation <laughs> the, the thing we, is though right you do you do make an interesting point that like typically these saturday morning cartoon villains from like bond films aren't like these like abusive husbands but i think the, the reason for that is if you're going to be tackling like a serious subject like that you kind of want to be doing it justice because otherwise oh, yeah, sure. it just it just seems like you're kind of like using this um like uh what, what's the word just an attention getter yeah yeah and you're not really like respecting like those people that actually like had this experience 
Yeah. Um, and I really think that it was a bad move for no one to do that in this film because there's like absolutely nothing, no commentary on like domestic abuse or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's really false flat for me. I just thought more like as like a, yeah, people who are this kind of evil would probably do this. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was any interesting commentary on there on a serious subject, but it's more like, yeah, some, some, this, this particular kind of fucka would probably do such a thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. As Billie Eilish would say, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, he really did, uh, feel like a a bad guy for just because this movie needed a bad guy uh i found i found kenneth brana's random ass russian accent hilarious yeah Yeah, like we need we need we need that extra bit of evil in there (laughs) hey hey Uh, that makes sense because over please just shut up (laughs) that's that's actually a bond reference because all the bond villains are russian so yeah (laughs) i Um, i also thought it was like dumb how it's just like the um i don't even remember her name but the the bad guy's wife um how like she just clearly tries to kill him on multiple occasions and he just does nothing about it and but then also <laughs> like the protagonist is just like ma'am please do not kill this man otherwise reality itself might break and she's just like but i don't want him to die thinking he wants <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I think I think it's um, a big time loop. You see, it's a big time loop. I think I think John David Washington just said, um, "Man, please do not kill this person, or else we won't have the movie." <laughs> oh, so even more reason to kill him. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got him. Um, but yeah, okay. So, but all things considered, I think I think we should talk about the set pieces because that's probably like why you'd want to see this movie in the first place. Set pieces and maybe a little bit about the cinematography because I have. Yeah, you can go ahead. So, the thing I most notice about the cinematography is that, like, like the set pieces, it's just kind of boring. Like, it's not shot in any very interesting way. Like, if you ask me to point out a scene that wasn't, like, backwards, that, like, stuck out to me by, like, looking pretty or something, I literally couldn't give you one. Yeah, um, but dude, probably, like, the least visually appealing film. But, dude, there's a scene, and there's, like, pretty colors in the scene. Oh, the, you see, they they turned red that, and blue lights That means on. there's oh good cinematography. You know that, okay, if the <laughs> film has pretty colors and it's shot mostly in wide, that's good cinematography. Man. Good cinematography. <laughs> this photo has good cinematography. Um, I, I didn't really have any problem with the cinematography necessarily because, I mean, it was just kind of serviceable. Um, yeah, I don't think it was bad or anything. It's just like, yeah, yeah you, you could have done better, kiddo. Yeah, um, but... Let's talk, about, let's talk about the action scenes because that's the reason why I watched this movie like you were at. Like, I saw the trailer, I kind of heard about it. I didn't really know like anything about it going in, but I heard like there's weird time manipulation stuff. And then I thought, you know what? I'm a big fan of uh, Max Payne, I'm a big fan of slow mo and John Woo and stuff. Like, you know what? That might sound like a really cool, that, that might be really cool for an action movie. But they like, they never, uh, Nolan, like, never uses this really cool concept in an interesting way. Um, it, it's so, like, boring. I mean, you would think that, like, by the climax where there's, like, two teams, there's, like, two squads, one's, like, walking backwards, one's walking forwards or whatever. 
um, and there's like all these like explosions happening backwards. Like that's something interesting would happen with this concept, mm-hmm. but it just it's just nothing. I mean, um, I kind of liked the scene where the protagonist is fighting himself, one of them from the past, one of them from the future. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I liked I liked that. Um, that that was probably my favorite sequence in the movie because that also sort of flowed into the the art heist with the plane thing, mm-hmm. and I thought it was sort of cool from a structural standpoint that you get to like see this fight from two different temporal perspectives, one earlier in the film and then one later in the film. Yeah, I don't think it was like genius or anything like that, but I'm like, if if you're going to do this concept. This and then the reverse car chase are probably mm-hmm. the coolest things this film has going for it, and yeah. The thing is, though, like, uh, I agree with you that, that, that those two scenes were definitely the coolest in the movie, but um, when we got to the point of the movie where we were revisiting, like, the art high scene, I was, like, dreading it because <laughs> the art high scene by itself was so fucking boring. I didn't want to see this shit again. <laughs> um, but fortunately, I think, I think the, um, the highway scene in reverse kind of yeah I, I think i like that they did that well. i like the detail that he isn't in the car when it when it first comes because he hasn't been there yet mm-hmm. technically that i that was a nice little detail but like it if it was more intricately crafted like with little details like that i may have even liked the the movie even more but like it just yeah. feels so haphazardly like we got time manipulation mm-hmm. like it's yeah. just it's it's almost like he didn't like think about it until he he saw some footage of this movie and then reverse the camera and then he's like wait we could do this the whole movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah like um i'm not even going to talk about how um you know some of nolan's movies have like interesting things to take away from like the prestige um i love the ending of prestige because like there's definitely a few different ways of interpreting it um and people like shit on the ending of inception because uh it's like not really an open ending uh, with him spinning the top, but at least like you know, it gives you like something to think about, right? This movie, the only thing you're thinking about after you step outside is like, one, what the, what happened plot wise, and two, why the fuck am I supposed to care? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I talking about details. I then like if they had like added more of it, it like would have made the movie more interesting i liked the the part where uh kenneth branagh like threw the lighter and it did like a reverse explosion that like froze it i'm like that's a cool concept why aren't you doing that more in the movie yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i didn't even know what had happened there i i still don't understand how he how he got hypothermia from an explosion because <laughs> he sucked the air out I, I don't know because the, the opposite of hot is cold nick he got he got opposite exploded. <laughs> That's right. This is this is completely true. All right, should we tackle how fucking stupid the time manipulation thing is and how they're just like, don't try to understand it. That's the best line in the movie. That's the best line yeah. in the movie. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning, um, there's this uh, scientist lady who's explaining the oh, who's um, providing exposition for like the 1800th time uh, to the main character, and um, she says when asked, um, how does this work? Don't try to understand it. And I think, um, that perfectly sums this up. That perfectly summarizes the movie. And you know what, Nolan? Fine. Again, I would have been fine not understanding it at all if the action scenes were worth it. 
They weren't. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what what did you say about the time manipulation stuff? Um, it was it was like they were using lines out of like the Matrix. They're like, "Well, you're not firing a bullet; you're catching one." And it's just like the the way they kind of deliver all that exposition. How it's like, "Oh, you you, it's all about instinct. You gotta you gotta. You're not catching the bullet; you're dropping it." <laughs> and it's just like, "Okay, we get it." He, it's it's going back in time, and it's not what we think it is. Like, how many times are they going to explain like how that works? Like they yeah like once you get to that hour and a half mark where the movie starts going like basically in reverse, they mm-hmm. they um they introduce the thing about like oh you're not breathing you're you're like reverse breathing so you have to wear this oxygen tank like we get it we get it all the shit's in reverse you really didn't need to tell us that <laughs> yeah you're they right. just keep explaining that like shit's going in reverse and like we get it <laughs> we get it I, I feel like they honestly could have gotten to that point where they go through the the, the portal or whatever that inverses their entropy um and like we just start seeing the movie in reverse and then like that I think would have been enough explanation, and I think that would have satisfied the Nolan fans. Is like, oh, you don't understand this movie till you watch it a couple times. It's like, cause yeah, cause that explains the concept enough to where you can understand visually what's going on, and then people who wanna parse every detail of how so and so bullet you know flies backwards or whatever, you know, then they can go back and rewatch it and do it. Yeah, it feels like. Um... Nolan was almost like insecure in the concept because he's like, people won't understand. So I got to explain it like 15,000 fucking times. Oh, do you know what the grandfather paradox is? <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever seen Futurama. No, no one's ever seen Back to the Future. Also that. <laughs> God. Oh. oh my God. Huh. Uh, well, I, I did kind of like it that it was like a little bit of a time travel movie that like isn't just doing the same like boring time travel mechanic that every other time travel movie is doing. Like, it, yeah, it's like not Endgame, it's not the same you know, method time of time travel. travel. Like, the, it was just like the same time travel thing, like all of, and it's like, oh, okay, this is like time inversion. It's something different, you know. It's like. Yeah, they definitely could have furthered the concept a little more, but at least it's not like, hey, I'm going back to the 80s, remember all this 80s stuff, hope I don't accidentally kill my granddad or my mom falls in love with me or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what else to even say, dude? Like, I'm just like, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I, above all, I, I think I'm just disappointed. I mean... I I kind of shit talk Nolan as like joke sometimes, but like typically like he's a very solid filmmaker. I would say like the only movie of his that I've seen besides this one I'd really consider a flop is Interstellar, but even that had like some really interesting visuals. But like by far this is his worst movie. I don't see any point in watching this. Yeah, I I like it, and even I can agree to that. Like it's. I think the one sort of, I wouldn't call it a saving grace, but at least it doesn't, I don't, until you got to, like, the the end dialogue where Kenneth Branagh's talking about being a god or something like that, like, I didn't think it was trying to be important or anything. Like, Interstellar, for better or for worse, was trying to be important, 
and it was trying to say something. And, you know, whether you're one of the fans who think it did it well or one of the haters who think it didn't, you know, it, it was trying to do that. And I felt like for the most part, this movie was just like, we're a fucking spy movie. You know, we're doing this. That's um, true. Yeah. But I think, I think the problem is also, um, even if Nolan like utterly fails at trying to do something important, at least like at the most of basic level, his movies leave you with like something to think about, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, yeah no, this one, just nothing, nothing. I, in thinking about it right now, I think it honestly would have, I, I know it's a cliche to be like, every movie has to be funny, but like, I really feel like maybe if they took a more lighthearted tone with this, it may have been a better movie. It would have helped the dialogue. Cause the, like I, I, I forgot to bring up earlier, like, I feel like 90% of this movie is just, like, boring, like, shot reverse shot of people, like, talking heads. I mean, uh, just not interesting if they're just saying, like, bullshit that doesn't even make sense or matter. I was almost a little offended at the end where they they referenced um, fucking Casablanca. Uh, Wait, wait, what? Remember when he's like, I... For uh, for you, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, oh my god, I missed god. that. I missed that they ah, god, that okay. was what that was. Right, oh I'm my done, god, I'm fucking done. I'm I mean, done. yeah, I realized yeah. that quote was kind of <laughs> where it's like people are referencing Casablanca without even realizing they're referencing it. It's like how people <laughs> like people just say, "Hey, I'm walking here," without realizing they're referencing Midnight Cowboy. Um, yeah. Wait, that's a Midnight Cowboy reference? You didn't know that? <laughs> I haven't seen Midnight Cowboy, actually. I haven't seen it, and I know that. <laughs> I, I've i seen it, and I know that, but I didn't know it was a Midnight Cowboy reference until I saw Midnight oh Cowboy. I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Oh, my God. You guys are watching Midnight Cowboy tonight after uh, I'm thinking of ending things, Nick. Hell, yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I, Midnight Cowboy is good. It's a hot take, I know, but it's good. We should have watched Midnight Cowboy instead of time. Yeah, we should have watched anything instead of Tenet. <laughs> we should have not driven an hour to Virginia to see Tenet and then drove an hour back. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, oh, we should. Okay. I just, we, uh, I, I just went to the theater in Atlanta, and I'm in Atlanta, so. Gotcha. Uh, we should um, we should talk about like its release during coronavirus because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, the fact that he thought that this would. Oh God. He was really just in the save cinema train with, like, his worst movie. Oh, my (laughs) God. Like, you couldn't have done this with, like, Dark Knight. (laughs) This couldn't have happened, like, during a better Nolan movie. Like, it had to be this one. Maybe if you're making the argument that he felt insecure about the concept, maybe he felt so insecure. It's like, what if we can release it when there's literally no competition except for Bill and Ted 3? Which, honestly, go watch Bill and Ted 3. And yes, yes. Bill and Ted 3 is awesome. Bill and um, Ted 3 is fucking amazing. Uh, I, I, think, but, I think Nick actually brought up earlier when we were talking after the movie. Um, if this was like a streaming release, he probably would feel more forgiving of it. Yeah, like if I could just, if I could have just watched this at home, I probably would have been a happier camper. Because honestly, uh, I know like Nolan is like the last savior of the theatrical experience song, like with Scorsese or whatever, whatever the hell that means, right? But this, I mean, okay, yeah, it's like big spectacle and stuff, right? But it doesn't look that cool or interesting i mean i could have watched this on my tv and felt fine <laughs> whereas yeah. something like i don't know blade runner 2049 um that's something that you need to watch in the theater uh maybe it was like a 
maybe it was just like a thing where it's like Warner Bros was like we don't want to release this at the same time as Dune or whatever and they were just like we just have this finished Nolan movie yeah you know, what, what the fuck are we gonna do with it I feel like um well I remember for sure that like Nolan was pushing heavily for this film to be released in theaters like even earlier when coronavirus yeah. uh, was like at its peak well it still is I guess um and it's, I, it's declining uh yeah anyway but i mean I, it might be a like a, a europe different thing yeah in america because yeah, well, well also yeah like well also though like the film was held from release because no one wants to release it in america so badly i yeah. think like it was he really wants to release it like early august right? yeah but like that was like not happening at all in america they and, pushed, i mean they could have released it then in Europe. <laughs> they pushed the release back like so many times because he was just so hopeful that like yeah this would be over like quick and actually if it was up to nolan he probably would have delayed it even more uh to get like the the full wide release in america but maybe i think i think at this point i wonder if i just just needed to put it out yeah um yeah uh but honestly though like um, the experience was fun because I've never been to a drive-in before. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a, that, that was a fun time driving, driving over there or Nick doing all the driving while I was in the back. <laughs> there, there was a, there was one person in my theater. So I'd say like generally, even if you show me like a bad movie, like I think I could probably have a decent experience like in a theater if there's, if I'm like the only person there, um, you know, my, my favorite movie I ever saw, Silent Voice, um, like, that's, there were, like, four people in the theater there, and so, like, I, I think it's just generally a good experience if you kind of have that place to yourself to just kind of absorb the movie, whether it's good or bad. Perhaps. Yeah, just, just be careful, though, since um, any kind of, like, uh, enclosed space, especially, like, with uh, re recycled air, is uh, pretty dangerous. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Be, be, um, be aware. Um, I, I personally yeah. like, as much as I would love to go inside of the theater, I don't. I don't feel comfortable doing that until there's a vaccine. Yeah, that's that. That's fair. That's fair. I was just like, I, I was originally going to go to an indie theater that I thought was doing like a good job and about being safe and whatnot, uh, and then got canceled there. But then the nearby theater, it was just like. I was like, I already paid the money for the movie, so I guess, you know. Um, yeah. I, I'm i one of, like, three people who actually wanted to see the New Mutants, but I'm not dying to see the New Mutants, <laughs> quite literally. Um, yeah, it's it's just, like, what movie would you, would you, like, travel an hour or risk your life to see? It's like, <laughs> nothing's, nothing's worth that, I don't think. Nothing well, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe driving an hour to see it safely in a drive-in or something. Dude. Maybe if it was a much better movie, but, like... If a new Tarkovsky movie just came out of uh, the box, I would, I would, I would walk to the theater. He said the Russian man's name. He I would, I would walk name. to the theater with 10,000 people and get coronavirus and die while watching the movie to see that. But anyway, um... That's what happened <laughs> when you filmed Stalker. <laughs> True. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I, I'm definitely more excited to see more films and drive-ins. I'm just, I'm happy that we were fortunate that, um, Alamo Drafthouse, like, put something up near us so we, we could go there and, um, they did a pretty good job. I mean, they even have people for the, um, if, if your car stalls, they have, like, people with, like, jumper cables. So, yeah. um, that, that's nice. Yeah. 
I I saw a drive-in showing uh, the, the same indie theater that I was going to, and they weren't playing it at Tenant at the drive-in, but they have drive-ins like every weekend. I saw a showing of Mad Max, Fury Road, and drive-in. Oh, cool. They were good. They had like fucking aluminum to put on your car lights if you couldn't turn your car lights off while you were parked or whatever. So oh, interesting. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I that's... Uh, listen, I know for uh, a lot of people, this was like an anticipated movie. Um, I'm glad I got to see it, if that makes sense, even though I didn't like it, just because yeah. it'll be a part of the you know cultural discussion in the coming weeks and months, probably, about yeah. like, you know, what did you think of Tenant and did you get to see it? Uh, yeah, definitely the pandemic in, uh, in relation to Tenant is far more interesting than the film itself. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I just thought, uh, I'm just very happy that we had the opportunity to see it at the drive-in. I'm definitely yeah. going to force Nick to drive me more to see more <laughs> movies there. Uh, depending on the release, I'm not going to see everything <laughs> for an hour away. I, I <laughs> Sorry, think, go like, ahead. For better or for worse, like, the the pandemic probably made Tenant like it Tenant will be remembered for for longer than it would have had it just released in the middle of like a normal summer. Yeah, probably. probably right yeah probably you know Black Widow was supposed to come out you know uh, Mulan was supposed to come out what else was supposed to come out like a lot Mulan of Mulan is out how dare you oh yeah <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four yeah, was supposed to I... come out it was it was just definitely going to be like overshadowed by like big like franchise movies probably once we all saw it and saw how it was and how it how it really turned out but like yeah. I mean, at least at least we have streaming right we had we have some interesting stuff coming out i'm really excited for uh charlie kaufman's new film thinking of ending things uh that just released on netflix last yeah. uh two nights ago i think so do we want to move on to uh you know what we've been watching sure we're already kind of uh, there well, first should we should we mention the dune trailer uh yeah i guess let's talk about that uh like a tiny bit there's not much to talk about um what were your opinions because i think my opinions are a lot harsher oh oh, sorry just for just for uh context so the dune trailer was played um exclusively at tenant premieres theatrical premieres across the country um and i believe that warner brothers is going to be releasing like an a actual full trailer, trailer like, like later. I don't but, know, in like a um, the ones or that, the one the ones that the, were, it's that were for the 9th, I think. So it's actually I think this Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but um the one that we're talking about is the one to exclusive to theaters as of right now. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh so like the yeah the trailer is not even up on YouTube yet. Um so I I liked it just from the standpoint of like oh we get to see kind of stuff in motion. We get a feel for you know what this movie is going to look like more so than just like what pictures in a in a magazine can convey yeah in terms of like the approach i like that they start started with the first scene with the book but then they also kind of show you where he's gonna go because i think that kind of captures the spirit of the book in that like the book kind of tells you a lot of what's going to happen like you know that paul is going to be a legend by the end of the book so it's more like encouraging you to analyze the details of like what choices does he make or do all these other people make that sort of uh, shape his journey i guess yeah um so i like that they start with the 
the first scene because that kind of very much encapsulates the tone of the book. And I like too that it's kind of like this underplayed sci-fi, if that makes sense. Like not everything's glowing or space or whatever. Like he's had, he's sticking his hand into this weird box, but it just looks like a normal like wooden box. And I'm like, okay, I like the way this looks. We got to see like sort of big picture like all of the major players in the thing and i'm just like okay cool to see that this movie actually exists and this isn't just like a <laughs> conspiracy theory <laughs> uh, yeah well i think i think the part of the aesthetic actually comes from the book um since oh, yeah, the, book, the, book, the, book. the book itself isn't like supposed to be like high sci-fi it's supposed to be more like uh post technological sci-fi yeah yeah it's like it's like game of thrones in space kind of yeah, yeah. I could agree yeah, with no, that. I, I, de- I definitely think it matches, and that, mm-hmm. that's what I appreciate about it. I like they did that to some extent with the with twenty forty nine. Uh, obviously, not as much, but it's like there was a lot of scenes where it's just like, okay, he's like in a wasteland, or the the scene in that they mainly focused on in this trailer for Dune kind of reminded me of the scene in twenty forty nine where he went to the orphanage to like check the books or whatever. Um, and certainly Blade Runner is still a very glowy movie. You have the city where it's like all the holograms and stuff like that. But there, there is a lot of it where it's just kind of toned down sci-fi. Yeah. I, um, I, I just don't know how I, how much I like the look of this film. Uh, like looking at a lot of the designs, I'm not crazy about the suits. Uh, the helicopter is okay. Um. The movie just looks like it, the whole thing just looks like it's a desert orange, I guess if that makes sense. It's just like right now it just kind of feels uninspired. You know, hopefully I it's a trailer. You know, we haven't seen the whole thing. I hope my opinion will turn around, but like I'm not very inspired by what I've seen so far in terms of like design because it's Dune. You know, you're supposed to like. I feel like it's it should be a bit more out there than, you know, wooden box, even if that is kind of what it's described as. Well, I mean, we'll certainly have to see when they get to the whole scene where basically, like, everyone's fucking tripping balls and, like, seeing through time and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. It's a shame Jenna Rossi couldn't have done that. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's, like, a big... Maybe there, there'll be, like, a big surprise... I, I can only dream that there will be, like, a big surprise moment where they brought, like, Jodorowsky in just to direct, like, the drug scenes. That, <laughs> that, uh, that, 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 like, wish, isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Dune comes out in November, I think. I'll see it. I'll see it at a drive-in. Uh, if, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm down to see the drive-in, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the movie. I, I saw the trailer yesterday with Nick because we were in the drive-in. I don't remember it at all, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, do we want to talk about... Um, uh, what have you been... Rhett can start. What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What have you been listening to? What have you been playing? What have you been making? Uh, well, so uh, I've been, I've been doing a lot of stuff recently because I've had like a little bit more free time. I am taking a history of film class, so I've been watching some silent movies. I watched all of Birth of a Nation. Hell yeah. Uh, My favorite movie of all time. That was a, that was an experience. It was, 
I, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's generally exactly what people say it is, you know, it's disgusting, but also like there is some great sort of filmmaking, especially for the time at works there. So it's kind of terrifying in that respect that such a talented filmmaker could make something so despicable. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, uh, I mean, I mentioned I saw Bill and Ted 3. That was a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Uh, that was just, yeah. I mean, it's, that that is what that is. It was uh, it was pretty wholesome Keanu Chungus, if I yeah, do say so myself. <laughs> Keanu Chungus. Like, that's, it's exactly what I wanted out of the movie. Um, and just, if you like Bill and Ted, I'd say go watch it. Um, I have been, I finished watching HBO's Watchmen, uh, got a little late to the party on that one. I'm rewatching March Comes In Like a Lion right now, which is probably my favorite anime ever, at least favorite an artsy anime, I guess. Um, and uh, I also just played Alien Isolation for the first time. Oh my god! It's it's an old game. I had so I had it back on. The How Xbox. did you miss this? Well, I, I had it back on the Xbox when it came out. But, like, I was just starting high school at the time, and I had a lot of shit going on. And eventually I got a PC, so I wasn't playing on my Xbox anyways. So I just never really played it. But I got it on the Steam sale this summer, and I played it. And I'm like, yeah, this is not a perfect game, but certainly does a lot of things right. I thought it was very well-paced. I stayed up very late playing it, because I was, like, I got to the one part in the story where it's, like, they make you think that you booted the alien off the station. And I'm like, well, it's only halfway through the game. They're going to bring the alien back. I'll keep playing until the alien comes back. Because, like, without the alien there, it's just not as scary. So it's kind of a breeze to play through. But there was so long without the alien. So yeah, I, I stayed up very late playing that. Um, and then I've just been working on my screenplay, I guess, in terms of stuff I've been working on. Show your screenplay uh well it's still a work in progress so we'll we'll have to see about that sounds good well always uh, you're welcome to come on and talk about it yeah uh whenever you're comfortable with it whenever it's it's in a good state nick uh, I'll, I'll talk about it when it's being released sounds oh. good <laughs> nick what have you been watching what have you been reading what have you been playing what have you been listening to um I'm going to focus mainly on my watchings because I have done a lot of watching since Hard to Be a God. Um, so the first thing I watched since then was Afro Samurai, which is the uh, anime starring Sam Jackson, and it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, I also watched uh, this weird documentary called Wrinkles the Clown. It's about that kind of like uh, scary clown phase that uh, happened in like 2016. Um, but it focused on one particular clown and like his impression it left on like this community. It's, it's kind of cool. Cause it like changes what it's doing midway through the documentary. But, um, yeah. Uh, I also saw Sputnik, uh, Idiocracy and the Departed. Idiocracy was a rewatch, but, um, still love that movie. Sputnik was cool. Uh, kind of like Alien. If you like Alien, you'll enjoy Sputnik. The Departed was... A first-time watch for me and my dad, which, uh, that's a good movie to watch with your dad. It's, a, it's definitely a it's dad movie. It's a dad movie. Yeah. It's a great dad movie. Um, it hey, might... On the set of The Departed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, 
It might be my favorite Scorsese gangster movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just me. Um, me and Duran saw Bad Lieutenant. Um, I was a bit more positive on it than he was, but like, for how much, uh, you know, Abe Abe Vigoda, what's his name? Fucking Abel Ferreira. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for being an Abel Ferreira movie, I think I was expecting a lot more than what I got, and especially considering how um how the uh, Nicolas Cage uh, Werner Herzog one is. You know. Oh my God, we gotta watch that. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you forgot, but we also saw um, Mikey and Nikki. Yeah. Oh, did I skip that? No. Oh. Yeah, we we also watched Mikey and Nikki. Uh, great movie by Elaine May. Uh, if you like Cassavetes, I think you'll like this. Mm -hmm. Um, Bill and Ted face the music. I already said it's amazing. Just go watch it. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> for class. We had to watch a bunch of uh, Scorsese shorts, which are like around. actually really good. Yeah, <laughs> those are honestly like some of my favorite Scorsese content now because yeah. those are really good. Um, and then finally, uh, we watched Holy Motors, um, which is a 2012 French film um, about a guy who does acting. And I can't really explain it more than that. Yeah. I don't think you want to explain more than that. It's Just go watch like it. It's basically like a crack cocaine if it was a film. Maybe I should yeah, also... <laughs> It is, this wasn't quite recent. It was like a couple weeks ago, but it certainly since the last time I was on this show, and I I think I heard that um, you you particularly like it, Duran. But I watched Eight and a Half for the first time. Oh hell yeah! Hell yeah, dude! Greatest film of all time. Uh yeah, it was kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sick. Um, actually, one of those Scorsese shorts that Nick and I watched like references it pretty explicitly. Um, like mm -hmm. the the final part where they're um, running around. In, in a circle. It's not just you, Murray, if anyone's curious. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Eight and a Half. That's a, that's a classic. It's probably my number one of all time, but I kind of go back and forth on what that is. Um, yeah. For What about you, Duran? What have you been watching? Listening. Reading. Ing. Ing. I, uh, <laughs> so I read The Dark Knight Returns um, because we watched... Um, uh, Dark Knight Rises, oh, yeah, which, in my opinion, is probably the greatest film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I know I just said it was eight and a half, but I was lying. It's actually The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> um, it's an amazing film. Uh, and yeah, Dark Knight Returns is amazing. Uh, the funny thing about the book is that so I, I read a lot of Batman when I was a kid, and like I don't, I didn't understand any of it because I was a stupid little kid. Um, I've read Dark Knight Returns like I don't even know how many times when I was like way too young. Um, I was actually so young one time that my dad saw me reading it and he took it away from me because some of the panels were like really violent. <laughs> um, but now that I've now that I've reread it, now that I've reread it, um, I can safely say it's probably my favorite comic of all time. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things it does uh, with the character of Batman. I think it raises the question of um, whether Batman is actually a positive force for Gotham or not. So I think that was pretty interesting. But in terms of um, what I've actually been reading, uh, I mean, watching, I watched a lot of stuff recently. Um, I watched uh, Love, Love and Anarchy, which is a Lena Wertmuller film. She's an Italian filmmaker. That was pretty good. Um, Nick and I watched Bad Lieutenant and Mikey and Nikki together, uh, which she talked about a little bit. 
I watched um, Gertrude, which was a um, Carl Theodore Dreher's last film. He's the director of um, Passion of Joan of Arc and uh, Vampire and Our Debts. We actually did the first episode of this podcast was on Our Debt. Gertrude was really interesting. It's basically about this um, very idealistic woman who um, goes through life trying to find uh, the perfect lover, but kind of ends up um, alone at the end. Um, that's pretty. It's pretty interesting. With with the reason why I found it so interesting was just how uh, expertly uh, all the formal elements were, were done. The the film is mostly done in long take. Um, they're just like these really long scenes of, of just pure like melodrama. Uh, they're really really well done. Um, I watched Baccarat, which is Fuck this, Baccarat. <laughs> this Brazilian film that apparently did really well in the. Um, like a prestige circuit last year um it was uh it was shit yeah it's <laughs> not a good movie i said this like when i when i first was able to see it back in like uh april i want to say uh dude i don't understand why people think this movie is good yeah it's it's um it's not good yeah it's not good i want i, I don't really want to spoil it because i'm sure someone would be wanting wanting to want wants to watch it, but yeah, it's not it's not great. Um, I mentioned Dark Knight Rises already. We watched the Scorsese shorts. Um, a Criterion has this pretty good collection of them. Um, I'd recommend everyone in that collection, although we haven't finished all those either. Um, definitely the best movie I've watched recently was um, This Is Not a Film, which is a documentary directed by um, Jeff R. Panahi. Um, so basically, he was arrested for attempting to make a political film in Iran. Well, not really political, but it had like some like political elements. And he was put on house arrest and banned from making films for 20 years. So what he did is that he made a film, <laughs> except entirely in his own house. And he was able to smuggle this film on a USB drive inside of a cake to Cannes, where it was premiered. And it's... Absolutely incredible. I think it's a really interesting meditation on um, cinema in the 21st century um, and how the, I think I wrote, the conventions of narrative filmmaking no longer allow for meaningful commentary on the issues facing humanity. Um, and I, I, I'd argue like, uh, I, I'm think, I've been thinking about like this kind of like concept called uh, post-cinema, which I haven't really seen anyone write anything about. But um, I would I would argue that this would be one of those, um, and I'll go into detail about that later. But we're kind of running short on time, so I'll, I'll speed things up. Nick and I watched Holy Motors, which we mentioned before, great film, and also watched uh, my first uh, Maya Darren short, which was um, Meshes of the Afternoon. Um, so that's it for me. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that's it for everyone. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, I'm sorry if you enjoyed Tenant and this was just uh, shitting on a movie that you <laughs> liked, but um, uh, I I think we stated our case well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I think you had me as your local, I guess, Tenant shill. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad that we. But even even you were like, all right, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we had you on because it would be kind of like a a bad podcast episode if Nick and I were just shitting on the movie like the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 has its moments. I'll I'll give it that, but yeah, 
And the rest of this episode speaks for itself. Um, I'm not giving it anything except for a negative review. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Rhett, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, my man. Hopefully we can have you back on sometime. But uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, catch you folks later. Thanks for uh, listening. Goodbye. See ya.